Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. I'm your host, Rain Whalen. With me is Jeremy. Hey, what's going on, guys? And we are here with part two of our Back to the Future uh, two-part episode. Uh, If you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and listen to that now, because we probably aren't going to be discussing much from uh, the first Back to the Future movie. No, Um, we already did that. Yeah, we already pretty much talked about everything, and uh, what we're going to talk about now is everything that they paid off from part one. Um, but, uh, so we're just going to jump into it. So, so it's four years later, from 1985, yep. 1989, um, you know, Robert Zemeckis is, you know, becoming a you know, a household name director. He's riding high on that uh, Roger Rabbit train. Yeah, which, uh, well, actually, he was uh, directing it during this, uh, during uh, a lot of the stages of this. Yeah. Um, and Universal uh, came to Bob Gale, well, I, I think both Bobs, actually, and was like, so uh, are we going to get a sequel? And they're like, well, we'll do a sequel on one condition. If Michael Fox and Chris Lloyd come back. And obviously they're like, yeah, yeah, we want to make more of these. Yeah. Um, and so they had their two main stars back. And so they wanted to see who else was going to come back. Uh, Leah Thompson came back. Tom Wilson. Uh, Biff, if you didn't know his name. Uh, pretty much almost all the Even original. Even the Marvin Berry band yeah. came back because they were just like, hell yeah, man, let's do it again. Um, so pretty much everyone except for two people. Crispin Glover and uh, Claudia Wells. Claudia Wells, that was her name. I forgot. That's why I wrote it down. <laughs> Claudia Wells. Yep. Um, so we kind of hinted on it in part one. So Crispin Glover, who plays George McFly, is a uh, lunatic. Uh, Marty's dad, Jeremy, as Jeremy said, he's a lunatic. <laughs> um, he did not come back for part two. Um, and for what I understand, it was money issues. It was it was money and you know sort of it was requests as well. He wanted more stuff than Michael J. Fox got, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Man, we can't we can't accept these demands, man." Yeah, yeah. See, I I had a feeling it was probably something with his salary. Yeah. So well, for sure. Yeah, and what kind of upsets me the most is that he was so, from what I watched and read, um. Crispin was so I'm trying to think of uh, the right word. He was he essentially used his agent to talk for him, mm-hmm. which I mean most actors do. But I felt like with the relationship that he had with Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis mm-hmm. and everyone, he would have taken the time to be like, "Look, I'll come back for these things only." But no, he used his yep. agent to discuss those terms. And you know, Bob Gale said like. I'm sorry, we we can't do this. Go back to your client and tell them that maybe we can do this instead. Yeah. And I think he said like a week later, agent called back and said, "Sorry, it's it's not going to work." And and Bob Gale said, "You know, thank him for his time and yeah, we appreciate we'll, it. We'll figure something out." Yeah, which I uh, I actually put uh, famous last words. We'll make it work. Yeah. Um. But and and they did so they they got uh, Jeffrey Wiseman yeah to be uh, uh, George McFly George's back um, and the back of his head yes because they decided well if Kristen's not coming back then George has to be written out of the story yeah um and so that's why 
when we see George in 2015, he's upside down. Right. Because yeah. as I, I learned, they used a lot of trickery. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to, you don't exactly see his face. Right. And so he did, he was wearing the makeup. He was wearing Crispin's, old, yeah, Crispin's old, old makeup. Yeah, which they inverted. Yeah. To, to make it look more like him. And then flipping him upside down so mm-hmm. you can't really tell it's not him. It works. I mean. Yeah, and, and his, his voice almost sounds like. Uh, Christmas Glover as well. It needs to be older too, so I mean, it doesn't matter. But yeah. uh, can I tell you, this was the first Back to the Future I saw when I was a kid. Really? I saw part two first. That's right. I. Uh, it was on the Disney Channel, of all things. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, so, and then Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer in the original, she Ugh. didn't come back. Total knockout, um, too. What a shame. Oh, yes. Because I was appara- in love with her. Apparently, she was having, uh, there's a lot of family issues. And because of it, she retired. Um, which something I didn't mention in part one is she originally wasn't even going to be in part one. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Because she was filming a pilot for mm-hmm. ABC. And if it got picked up, she wasn't going to get to do it. And That's they right. were pretty certain it was going to get picked up. But then uh, Bob Gale called and was like, you know, we really want her. And they're like, well, we're not going to pick up the pilot. Okay. So and, and she came back uh, actually when Eric was leaving. Oh, there you go. Um, so anyway, so, but she didn't come back because of some family issues. So Elizabeth Shue, mm-hmm. which you, uh, you mentioned in part one, took her place as Jennifer, which I feel like Elizabeth still did a, a oh, great no, job as great. Jennifer. Um, but why I specifically wrote down uh, the we'll make it work is because one of the producers was like, well, maybe one, no one will notice. I, I shit you not, he said that. Like, we figured no one would notice. Like, <laughs> Elizabeth Shue and Claudia Wells look nothing alike. Yeah, they don't look anything alike. Uh, and you could obviously tell Elizabeth Shue was wearing a wig, too. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not trying to make it sound like we're shitting on Back to the Future Part 2. We we love Back to the no, Future Part 2. No, I do really two. like Back to the Future Part 2. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wait till we get to 3, then I'll start shitting on it. Yes. Uh, and so, so like I said, uh, Robert Zemeckis was making Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. during this whole pre-production time, which if anyone hasn't seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, it's fantastic. What are you doing with your life? Yeah, Watch it. Yeah. It's a fantastic movie. Bob Christopher Hoskins. Lloyd is also in it. He's yeah, uh, the bad guy, uh, which... Sidebar, I was mentioning to Ashley that this is one of my favorite scenes of Roger Rabbit when they're about to have the sword fight. Oh, yeah. And Bob Hoskins pulls out the the, the singing sword. <laughs> and it's a, a um, Frank Sinatra-esque sword. Yeah. And they're both just standing there like, oh, okay. And he just kind of throws it aside. <laughs> uh, anyway. Roger Rabbit's fantastic. And so, so again, they wanted to use uh, Steven Spielberg. As uh, they wanted him on again. Of course. Um, and Stephen was like, okay, so where are you guys at with the story? And from what I watched, uh, the story that they had in mind alone was insane. Well, because they wanted to meld two and three yeah, into one yeah, epic. Yeah, originally, it was going to be one whole movie. Right. And Sid Shattuck said, no, I'm not making the most expensive movie ever made, you yeah. morons. And and I think it was Steven who's like, well, this is two movies. Like, this is a two. And they're like, okay, so we'll just do this. Yeah. And and first time uh, any film had filmed two parts back to back. So yeah. they, they shot for 11 months. They were just like, you know. The we'll only just- time they did both at the same time was so they wouldn't have to go back to the location. They left Jennifer on the on, on the on porch, the porch. oh house. my god and then they they the next day they filmed him coming back 
to get her. So that was the only time they ever did them at the same time, just so they didn't have to go back and put Elizabeth on the porch and do all that again. Yeah. You know, eight months later or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so if anyone hadn't seen, uh, Part two. If you've only seen part one, I, I don't blame you. Part one's fantastic. It is. It's it's so good. You, yeah. Most people tend to. I've actually talked to people who have. They'll finish part one and they'll just watch it again. Um, <laughs> so part two starts where one ended, but they had to reshoot that scene with Elizabeth Shue. With Elizabeth Shue because they couldn't use the archive footage. Mm-hmm. The only archive footage they used in that scene is when he looks back at his parents. That's the only archive footage that they used. And with... Uh, with Crispin Glover and... Well, and with uh, close-ups with um, Christopher Lloyd, they can use those. And so I think they did. They used the close-up of him digging through the trash can, I think. Um, mm. was, so at least that's what Bob Gale said on the... Uh, that would make sense, but... Uh, yeah, they, so they reshot that whole sequence. Yeah, and then the DeLorean taken off, they didn't have to do that again. Yeah, oh, oh, oh and, and then they had to have Biff see it. Right, that was different, yeah. Yeah, and they... And, and, and that... Uh, I think was the, uh, you know, again, paying off everything that was setting up the rest of the movie. Right. Biff seeing the DeLorean take off. Did you uh, did you read or read, did you see anywhere that they really didn't want to go to the future? They they just had to get them out of it? I Not necessarily that. Uh, I know Robert Zemeckis was not that interested in any of the future parts of it. That's why a lot of it's a joke. Yeah, he you know? didn't. He was like, "I don't really care for this. Uh, we're just gonna get through this, pretty much." Yeah, because they knew that they wanted to go back to 1955. Yes, and they had to find a way to do that, right? Yeah, because um, it was it was Robert Zemeckis' idea. Uh, to say, like, well, what if we went back to the first movie? How cool would that be? Yeah, and and it, Bob Gale was like, yeah, that would be cool. And it is super, super cool. And that's yeah. why I like the second one so much more than the third is because it integrates mm-hmm. the first movie, making it a pretty decent sequel. In that, oh, yeah. And they even bring it up where it you get, you get a sequel and then you get what most people like is the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Literally, they get the same thing because they get to see the first movie in 1955 again. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so they so they reshoot the sequence and uh, another great opening line. You know, something's gonna be done about your kids. Like, yeah. what, uh, it's, uh, you know, like uh, what, what happens to me and Jennifer in the future? Will we become assholes or something? Uh, another great opening line. Yeah, almost on par with "I'm late for school." Yeah. Um, so they, they take off to the future, 2015, uh, only four years ago. Uh, can I uh, – I wrote it down. Where were you October 21st, 2015? I can tell you oh, where I was. Holy shit. On Back to the Future Day because I wore a Back to the Future t-shirt on that day. I I would I, I would have to look it up on, on something because I have no idea where I was. I was at school. I was at, I was at tech still. Okay. And um, – and me and a couple of other people that I didn't know. I mean, we didn't know. Any, I didn't know these people, but they were wearing Back to the Future shirts too, you know. Uh-huh. And we would look at each other like, "I get it," you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was making friends via eye contact. <laughs> Just like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, hey, <laughs> we get it, right? Mm. Uh, and it and it does kind of depress me to this day that I now live in a further future than. That the, Marty and Doc went forward to, you yeah. know, that bums me out a lot. <laughs> Sometimes, um, 
And so, and then you you, you mentioned it in part one. Uh, they knock out Jennifer because she's yeah. she's asking too many questions. And and I love Marty's like, well, why'd you bring her for? Well, she saw the time machine, right? <laughs> um, and so they get to 2015, which uh, they said that they got 50 percent right. I. I would say it's a soft fifty percent. Like they they knew they we weren't gonna have flying cars. Well, the thing is they weren't trying. Yeah. Right. They they wanted to be ridiculous, over the top. They wanted it to, you know, be jokey, like the mm-hmm. Jaws twenty nineteen and uh, the, uh, which I fucking and then and I didn't notice it, but the marquee says uh, by Max Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> which I I fucking love. Um and even you know the um the Cubs winning the World Series and in. The commentary again. The commentary was recorded in two thousand two. They're like, yeah, we the Cubs obviously are never going to win the World Series, which, and they have. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert to those of you who don't follow sports, but they have won the World Series since. It then. was it was two years. Yeah, ago. it was like two. Yeah, it was yeah. about two years ago, and it was a huge deal, right? I mean, first time in like a hundred years, like that. Yeah. Al Capone was alive the the first time they won the World Series, right? Um, yeah, and 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 see that makes sense because like. When uh, yeah, and and we'll we'll touch more on it. When Marty goes to the antique shop, there's a Roger Rabbit doll. There is a Roger uh, Rabbit doll and uh, a old Macintosh. And in, my in the- favorite line that that woman says is she's talking about the dust jacket, and she goes, "Oh, and if you're interested in dust." <laughs> and then she picks up the we dust. this little thing. As if you anyone would be interested in dust, but that it just makes me laugh every time. Yeah. Um, and and I love the the joke they play on the cafe eighties, one of the nostalgic yeah. places not done very well. Yeah, uh, and well, they got Michael Jackson loved the first one so much that was it really him or well, no? Uh, but he let them use his likeness, and they let them use beat it. Okay, um, right. And then his posters are all over the little girl's room when he gets back to the alternate nineteen eighty five. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so and all the little TVs are like little Max headrooms. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's yeah. what they're it's what they're based on is Max Headroom with uh, with in another playoff from part one. Uh, Ronald Reagan's the one that's helping Marty, right? And then um, I can't think of the the terrorist that's like buttoning in on him. It's, I mean, was it Gorbachev? I no, don't know. no, it wasn't it, Gorbachev. I don't remember. It, 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 right. He looked Middle Eastern, yeah, maybe. You're right. um, but this this is the first time. I think where we start noticing homages and mirroring with the first one. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's Griff at the Cafe Biff. 80s. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the look over there. and then he, But he doesn't get to punch him this time. But he still knocks over his cronies like they're dominoes, right? Yeah. Well, and, and does this and, a few more times. And can I say that... Uh, I love Marty Jr. You know, how Michael J. Fox goes from Marty McFly, who you're saying is the coolest guy ever, he is the coolest guy. to Marty Jr., who is just a... Oh. He, he, his hair's always wet because he's sweating. Oh, and uh, his voice cracks, which I love <laughs> so much. Um, like when uh, when Griff is like, so are you in or are you out? I don't know. I think I should discuss it with my father. <laughs> I love it. so, And he does it so good. Um, Michael J. Fox does. So there are two really, really, really cool shots in the movie. Okay, mm-hmm. the first one is Michael J. Fox taking the hat yeah, off yeah. of Michael J., uh, off uh, of Marty, Marty Jr. Jr. and putting it on his. Yeah. So just shut up and sit down and shut up. So the reason why that's so cool uh-huh. is because it's 
it's Michael J. Fox and Michael J. Fox, right? How is that even possible? Mm-hmm. So they use the Vist, the sorry, the Vistaglide anti-motion camera. So right. how it works is there's a mat line in in the center, right? Or mm-hmm. I guess you can choose where the mat line is, and that's what separates this shot from this shot. Right. All right. So when you put them side by side, it looks like one shot. Mm-hmm. You have to have something in between. So like um, when Biff is in his car with his older self, the mat line is the the split in the windshield. All right. There's mm-hmm. one at the dance where it's the streamers, right? Is the mat line. So um in this instance, it's a it's a third person's hand taking the hat and putting it on Michael J. Fox. Okay. So yeah, it's really, really neat. Um so and it's a seamless it's so perfect because yeah, it, it really looks like he's taking the hat off. And the other one is Biff handing the almanac to himself. Mm-hmm. So, and again, it's that mat line, and it's the the almanac was put on a, a sort of a crane thing where it moved <laughs> this way, right? And so all they had to do was hand and hand. Then, and yeah, then un- younger Biff could yeah. just. Okay, just okay. so they get the timing correctly, mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, this movie uses that technology so well, and especially those two shots. Yeah, and espe- yeah especially for 1989, too. And there's other ones like the DeLorean coming in for a landing, and the mat line is the, I think it's a light pole, and it's a miniature DeLorean, and once it passes the mat line, it's the actual car on a like on a crane right and okay. then it sets it down it's insane and it's seamless every time right so I mean that was just a good point to talk about the Vistaglide no, oh no yeah, I'm such well, a huge yeah, and fan I, and I, of the Vistaglide yeah and I wrote that down too them using a motion control camera because uh, from what I saw on the special features Robert Zemeckis went to uh, I don't remember who but he essentially said this is what I want yeah you, make you, it you got two years yeah go yeah um, and, and another thing talking about the future stuff uh all the the clothes that Marty wears, uh, the 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 power laces, which yeah. uh, Mikey and Nike actually did make. Yeah, um, I f- it was like a limited release, or like I think they only made like twenty. Yeah, I mean because they're expensive and yeah. expensive to make. You know, but uh, I know Michael J. Fox got his hand on a pair. Oh, absolutely, on, on his hair's on the pair. He wore them at like some interview I saw once. He was wearing the 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 mags, um, but that was just you know. Um, grips with wires that they just yeah that they kind of just pulled it underneath them it's a fake uh, asphalt that his foot's on and they uh, just okay. yanked him down and it um, right so mm. little things like that the jacket too you know yeah yeah that I knew were like when it's drying him uh, they showed a shot where it was like the tube ran up this way and they had to like tape it to uh, Michael J. Fox's like pant leg yeah to, so he had to stand there and it looked seamless. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and again, they, they shot on the same back lot. Yeah. Um, and this really like blew it up. And, 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 and one of the things I liked is they wanted a whole, um, they wanted a balance between nature and technology. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's a koi pond. Oh, that's why there's a, that little pond in the middle of the, <laughs> because they were using a, Call back to our noir episode, uh, Blade Runner, as one of the influences. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is uh, kind of like homages to the first one. So yeah. 
you know, even Biff flat out says it, you know, there's something really familiar about all this, <laughs> uh, which, you know, there, there's a lot in there that was shot for shot done in the first one. Oh, you know? for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's not the only time they do it. They do it in a lot of other times. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, when the first time I saw the second one, I, I loved all the future stuff. Like, I loved the... Uh, I wanted a hoverboard. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I love the fake part of the, I think like the 1990s special features where they were like, yeah, you know, we, you know, these, these were debunked. We got our hands on them. So everyone thought they were real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they admitted years later, like, no, they were fake. Yeah. They, they were, were on wires. Yeah. And they actually uh, mixed wires, green screen, all that. Just so if you thought you knew how they were doing it, they would switch to another method in the next shot. Ah, they're like, oh, no, I don't, I don't know. Go. Yeah, they did it in that scene and with the scene with him grabbing onto Biff's car in the 50s okay. uh, on the hoverboard. They would they would switch back and forth to wires, um, you know, force perspective and green screen. They would switch back and forth to those. Okay. And, yeah. you know, what would you say... Because they said they got about 50% of it right, mm-hmm. uh, the future stuff. What would you say, like, that we have today that they showed in 2015? Like, um, we do have a World Series winning Cubs. Yeah. We have that. They didn't beat Miami, which their mascot has changed since then Yeah, uh, as well. Um, um, we have... Thank God we don't have the two neckties. Oh, God, yes. That would drive me crazy. Um, we have a lot of the kind of, like, obligatory, uh, like... Kind of odd, like odd clothing, uh, you know, thanks to Kanye West. Oh, Kanye, my yeah. man. Um, oh, uh, flat screen televisions. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah flat screen. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, not necessarily holograms per se. I was gonna say they're um, they're glasses. That the uh, that the kids wear at the dinner table. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like VR glasses, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd say like VR and uh, when Google dabbled in the the Google Glass. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, with that tanked also. Because it's dumb. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Smart. Oh yeah, my my wife uh, in clutch over there. Uh, smart homes. So being oh, able yep. to, you know, like tell a TV like you want to watch this channel, this channel, this channel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thermostats and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot that I kind of wish we had. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, the Nike mags. Kind of. I don't really care. I mean, they look yeah. cool though. They, they look cool. Yeah, I mean, um, flying cars. I think were now. Nah, but they did put little fun stuff like on the ground. It says no landing. Oh yeah. You know, and they of course knew that with this new stuff, they would have different things on the road, like right. different signs and different indications, things like that. Right. There was originally they were going to have everyone have umbrellas because with flying cars has leaky oil and you don't want to get oil on you. Oh, so yeah. everyone would be carrying around an umbrella. Oh, they didn't have enough time to uh, establish why they needed umbrellas. Yeah, so. they made yeah they made it kind of seem like they were um, almost like electric, sort of. But yeah. anyway, anyway um, Goldie Wilson the third, he's selling cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, so you know, so then Marty you know buys the almanac, which we, we were kind of talking about in the motion shots, and wants to you know. 
Like, what's wrong with making a few bets on the side? You they, know? The creators think it's so funny because that book would be this thick. And I know you can't see me, but it would be, you know, the size of like three dictionaries. dictionaries. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, if it yeah, has every sporting event from 1950, right? To 19, to 2000. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the fact that it would be a magazine is ridiculous. Yeah, um, and then you know, and then that's when we get the uh, you know, Biff sees the DeLorean land. Yeah, uh, old Biff, I should old say. Biff, yeah, yeah. two thousand fifteen. Old Biff sees it land, and he's like, "Wow, I haven't seen that since you know, in years." Yeah, you know, setting up, you know, calling back to when he sees it in nineteen eighty five. Right. Um, and uh, you know, and then. Jennifer gets snatched by the cops. Yeah. Because um, they, they, they idea with fingerprints. Fingerprints which, don't change. Oh, yeah, which uh, that's another thing we have. You know, our phones have fingerprints now. Even they're trying to do that in the computers. Yeah. Yeah. I don't use it on my phone, though. Yeah, well. Okay. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, they take her to Marty's uh, future home, which uh, I love Doc's, Doc's explanation when he's worried Jennifer encountering her older self. Yeah. Like she, I have seen two possibilities. One, she could simply pass out. Or two, the two of them together, you know, would destroy the space time, you know, the space time continuum. Yeah. Granted, that's a worst case possibility. They said that they would write these long winded speeches because they knew he'd be able to do it. Right. Uh-huh. And just like that. I mean, it was, you know, it, for anyone else, that would be too long. Right. It'd be, it'd be too weird and, and you know, too expositional or right. whatever. But with Christopher Lloyd doing it and speaking of, uh, I have written down his um, the gag of him taking off his makeup uh-huh. uh, when he gets to the future. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, number one, they said he did it because it was funny. Right. Him just ripping it off his face mm-hmm. Two, it. It makes sense for him to add all these years to his life because in part three, he's going to have a family. And with him being that old, mm-hmm. you know, he wouldn't be alive to have that family, right? He right. would only make it to 60 or to 70, 80 years old. Right. So him doing this rejuvenation and adding 40 years to his life and ripping off the, the wrinkles or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, establishes part three. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they so they get to um, Hilldale. Which is, uh, you know, and then we meet Marlene, which if I had any problem with part two, I think that would be it. That Marty's kids, both of their names start M-A-R. Oh, yeah. Marty Jr., Marlene. Yeah. Like, really? But, oh, and the fact that Michael J. Fox plays both of his kids, I think is fucking hilarious. Can I tell you the first time I saw it when I was a kid, I didn't notice? Really? Yeah. Well, that's kind of embarrassing. But, yeah, I didn't notice. Well, I mean, and, and I'll be honest, they, they put good makeup on him. <laughs> yeah, for uh, for Marlene, for sure. I mean, obviously, I noticed when it was the Marty Jr. Right, right, yeah, but, yeah, Because yeah. um, yeah, all they had to do was just make him look sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'm surprised uh, that we don't have rehydrating pizza, which I didn't notice. Um, the machine that does it <laughs> says Black and Decker. It's Black and Decker, yeah. <laughs> um... And then we get, uh, uh, oh my God, Flea yeah. as Needles. Not, you know, when they were talking about him, they were saying, that, you know, he wasn't a big deal at the time. And so to get Flea was no big deal. Really? Yeah, they just needed someone who who you would remember because uh, he had, he just auditioned for it and got the part because he has a memorable face and, and then they gave him a memorable name. Needles. Because 
And this is what this movie does that's really, really interesting, is that it will set things up that they will pay off in the next movie. Mm-hmm. Right? So for yep. us, it's not a big deal. We'll just pop in the next Blu-ray or whatever. Right. But for them, they had to wait six months. Mm-hmm. Right? And so they needed to make sure you're going to remember who Needles is. Right. Because yeah, we're, we're going to pay it off in six months. And that's something I wrote on my part three notes, but uh, I could have put it. I mean, it works. Yeah. Uh, is that they needed Marty to grow. So that's how, because, you know, one, they say one is really about George. Right. Marty helping George, but two and three were about Doc and Marty. Yeah, and so Marty needed a weakness, and that's why they gave him that chicken thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody calls me chicken. Yeah, uh, you know, and and so and so they get Jennifer out, but unbeknownst to them, old Biff steals a DeLorean with the almanac. Yeah. and goes to an undisclosed time we don't know yet. Right, and Marty and Doc. Make it back to 1985, mm-hmm. or they think, and as it's quickly revealed, it's 1985A. Yes, a alternate version of 1985 where Biff is powerful, uh, married to Marty's mom. Oh boy! And gives her plastic surgery. Yeah, um, and still hanging around his cronies, uh, Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Uh, and a 3D glasses guy. Yeah, which he's just wearing sunglasses there. But I yeah. know. Um, and so I mentioned this in part one, but I, I'm going to take a lot of uh, pot shots at uh, Biff and the comparison to our um, current president. Oh, boy. Uh, not yeah. a lot, because yeah, I don't Jesus. want this to get political. But, uh, I mean, it's, it looks a little bit like our current president. Oh, boy. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, Biff is powerful. He's pretty much... You know, my thing, this is going to be kind of a side note, and maybe you might have something to add. With how powerful they made him seem, you think he would try to branch out outside of Hill Valley. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it seems like he's loyal to his his roots. But you would think he'd want to, I don't know, try to take over the next town. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just me. I think he wanted to be a big fish, little pond sort of guy. Gotcha. You know I mean? Well, so. I mean, you know, he's watching. Uh, uh, I, I'm not gonna. You just say it. It's it's a fistful of dollars. Ah, damn. <laughs> it's the first one of the trilogy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, and so and so then we learn that George is dead. Right. Um, which. Something I love about this movie is that it's it's the darker of the three. And it's because of Star Wars why they made it darker. Because, you know, New Hope, you know, it's in the title, it's a very hopeful movie. And then we get to Empire Strikes Back, which I know you don't really care that much about Star Wars. Yeah. But Empire is probably the best Star Wars movie yeah. ever made. But Han gets frozen in carbonite. Yeah, no? it's all right, though. Okay. But, you know, Ivan Kirshner's direction... Oh, does he get out of the carbonite? Oh, I haven't said it. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not going to tell I'm not going to spoil it for you. every person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because of Empire and what George Lucas did, they're like, yeah, we need to make this darker. And I feel like that amps up the trilogy more. So we have... No one can see me, but we have one. It's kind of, you know, it's very hopeful, you know. Yeah. And then we get to two and we're just bleak. And it's, you know, Marty and Doc don't know what they're going to do, how yeah. they're going to fix everything. Right. Especially when Marty realizes it's his fault, you know, as he learns that old Biff stole his idea of right. taking the almanac back to the, the present 
and betting. First off, hilarious that he went straight to, I stole my idea. So not, like, bitch stole my idea. Not, <laughs> not, oh my God, my dad's dead. He just goes, he stole my idea. Well, it's because he already had his emotional scene with that my dad's dead. I guess so. Which is, in my opinion, a very emotional scene of the three movies. Mm-hmm. Just, and, and all he's saying, and it's, it's, it's the three, it's three words Four words, sorry. Oh, I had to count really quickly. Um, just over and over. And I feel like, yeah, that could get repetitive, but it, I felt like it amped up the, the emotion. Right, 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 right. Uh, oh, please, God, no. Right. And he just kind of alternated, like, please, God, no. And But I feel like, yeah, you know, so we got all that out. But, you know, then he confronts uh, 1985A Biff about it. And, uh, and I love the callbacks to the first one in it, like... Like, I was just picking up my car from track. I thought you ran into a manure truck. Right. <laughs> and, like, how do you know about that? My dad told me when he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's that's one grievance. Well, that's I have, I have a couple grievances with this movie, but one of them is uh, your dad. It's like, oh, dude, you didn't kill him. <laughs> you didn't kill him right away, man. Like, he, he had had time with his son before that. I know. And, and see, that's the... Oh, see, oh. okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a pause where we are in the middle of two to kind of kind of tie it back to uh, episode one about time paradoxes. You know how I was saying okay. how the Marty from, you know, the, the Marty that it comes back to 1985, yeah. sees himself go back to the past, right. takes over that Marty's life. Yeah. So in this alternate version of 1985, obviously there's a Marty. Yeah. Because the first thing that Biff says to him when he sees him is, you're supposed to be in Switzerland, you little son of a bitch. Right. So does that mean... Here we go. Does that mean... I have... One, does that mean that our Marty that we've been watching catches up and it's almost like a... Like... Like like the lives inner... Like it kind of comes one. Yeah. And Marty is where he's supposed to be. Or two, is he taking over like maybe that marty is still in switzerland and now this marty is taking over that marty's life i'd like to think that's such a great question and also one that we will not be able to answer fully but um i'd like to think that yes he is in switzerland Um, the marty of the the alternate version of 1985 alternate 1985 marty is in switzerland right at boarding school yeah because i'm sure he probably Maybe in this time period, he doesn't want to be around Biff. You know, maybe he doesn't want to leave his mom alone with her, but he doesn't want to be around him. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I mean... Because, I mean, this morning he was ready to fight Biff, and it almost seemed like Biff was surprised. Right. Because he was like, oh, you want to take a punk at me? <laughs> but, you know, he had to have his, uh, his lackeys hold him back. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just had the thought... My, like, my favorite line in in this sequence, in this scene, is when his mom goes, they must have hit you over the head hard this time. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which means it happened before. And she's so used to it that they're like, oh, man, they must have hit you real hard this time. Uh-huh. That makes me laugh every time. Um, but anyway, so, so you know, Marty confronts him. And Biff, like a cocky bastard, pretty much just lays it all out. Like, yeah, it's a it's a classic bad guy um, he, spiel because he thinks he's won. Right. Yeah, um, and then kind of calling back to like, you know, hey Biff, what the hell is that? And he throws right, exactly, the yeah. throws the match tray at him. Yeah, 
Um, it reminds me of like a Beetlejuice gag too, in in it, with the lighting and with the 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 cranking of the camera. That when the when he frisbees the match stand at him or whatever yeah. it is, um, and and he ducks and it hits and sticks in the chair. And he's right? like, it reminds me of like those those gags that they do in Beetlejuice. It, yeah. It's kind of filmed the same way. Shout out to Beetlejuice, probably also one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, I, I think we could also do a whole episode just on Beetlejuice. Well, absolutely. Anyway, uh, time for another day. Um, and so he chases him up to the roof, and that's when Marty realizes that. I mean, I'm sure Marty probably knew, but you know, he, you know, Biff admits that he killed George. Right, yeah. I'm sure Marty probably had his suspicions, yeah. but um, and. Uh, and then Doc and Marty go back to 19, 1955. Yeah, um, because they now find out he went back to, you know, November 5th, 1955. No, I think it was 12th. So it was, it was the day of the dance. It was the 12th. You're right. Yeah, November 12th. November 12th, 1955. You're right, because he was there a week. And then that's when um, Doc tells him the whole, there are now two of me here. Right. The And two of you. The me from this time is trying to help the other you get back to 1985. Right. While the other you, you know, and and I think that's where it, and I, and I think they did it so well. Again, compliments to Bob Gale and Rob Robert Damascus writing is it wasn't confusing. Like yeah, I was like, wait, there is two of them now, but it wasn't how they explained it. How Doc right. explains it, it wasn't that confusing. Yeah, we don't have to get into the duplication, you know, problem and time travel. It's like we get it. Yeah. You know, he was there in the first one. He's obviously still going to be there. Got it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's another part scene of of two Biffs in the same scene where old Biff is hiding behind the tree. And he's right. like, the manure. I remember that. The tree is the mat line, mm-hmm. by the way. And um, little fun Roger Rabbit thing is the mechanic is the voice of Roger Rabbit. Really? Yeah. Ah, oh, I love that guy. Yeah. Um, and and so then you know Marty hides in the back end of Biff's car. Here's the whole plan layout, but you know he has to pretty much wait uh, for old Biff to return with yeah. the DeLorean because if he doesn't, then they're fucked pretty much. Right. Um, and uh, you know that's another good example of you know what they reshot for part one. Um, of course, I'm skipping the whole part of Marty getting his hand smashed by Strickland, uh, trying to get the almanac for because Strickland gets it from Biff. Ah, oh, Strickland. Uh, drinking his uh, whiskey in his <laughs> coffee cup. Yeah, his coffee cup. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, Marty getting chased by Billy Zane and the other lackeys. Ah, Billy Zane. Uh, I feel like we've mentioned Billy Zane a lot. Billy, we hope you're listening. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. With Billy. Joel Schumacher. Um, <laughs> Hopefully not in the same room. I know. I hope they're in the same room. Oh, all right. Well, that's, how, that's what we're doing. Um, but so, you know, so they're going to – so they chase Marty into the gym and they think the Marty on stage is the one they've been chasing, which what kind of idiots do you have to believe that he changed his clothes that fast? What else are they going th- to think? That there's two Martys? Come on, man. Uh, probably. But see, oh, well, then see and that's one of Billy Zane's lines is, how the hell did he change his clothes so fast? Yeah, and that's such a great... I mean, ugh, Billy Zane, my man. I know. It's a, it's a shame that uh, he kills himself in Titanic. Uh, yeah. And that was just a throwaway line, too. You don't see him do it. Anyway. Good rins. 
<laughs> I want that down. Um, and so, and so that's another good example of you know how Marty how they had to you know they how they worded it like Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis were saying how like seeing the same thing but from a different angle, right? And that's what like you see in you know Looper, which is one of my favorite time travel movies mm. of the the past couple of years, and we we see this is a total side note. We we see. <laughs> From afar, you know, with the wide shot, how Bruce Willis got away from um, Joseph Gordon Lovett. Mm -hmm. Because the scene before we saw it in different cuts and, you know, we saw it from Joseph Gordon Lovett's perspective and whatever, but then we get to see it from afar, right? Right. It's a really cool thing that time travel movies do a lot. And this one does it really, really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we see Marty in the rafters, you know, trying to. Not like be conspicuous, <laughs> and also to take out Biff's lackeys because if they stop this the Marty on stage singing Johnny Be Good, then he'll never get back to 1985. Exactly. Um, so much tension. I know. And, and again, another you know, which they play off in part three. Like, why do we got to cut these things so damn close? Yeah. <laughs> um, but so so he stops the lackeys, and he. He's pretty much like, got the almanac, let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and I feel like it's kind of not necessarily poetic justice, but maybe time trying to, I don't know, not necessarily fix itself, but the Marty from part one runs through the doors oh, and yeah. smacks future Marty. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh, and it's probably one of my, it's probably my favorite scene in the movie because... Biff calls him chicken. Yeah. And he turns around and he's like, nobody. And you have to rewatch it, but his eye twitches. Because like, he's about to call me chicken. Bam. <laughs> um, I'm sure they cut him off at different times so he didn't know when it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and so then they have to, they have the whole chase sequence between Biff and Marty. Yep. And uh, he hits the manure again. Again. Um, and gets his comeuppance. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then Marty burns the almanac, and the present 1985 is fixed. Right, and then bam, we did it. Doc's hit by lightning and sent. We don't know where. Oh no! So you know he gets a letter. Yeah, from from Western Union, which I love that scene. So much. I don't know why. I just think it's funny. I got something for you. I know. It's a letter. A letter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then, again, you know, so Marty figures out the docks in 1885, Mm -hmm. which... See that I loved that that I think that's what got me interested in time travel is Uh he's reading the letter, and for him it's only been five minutes. Right. Yeah. But for Doc, it's been seventy years. Seventy years. Yeah. and, and and that's what I love about it. And and see and so we kind of warned people that we were gonna we were probably gonna shit on part three a little bit. Yeah. And see to me that set up part three. I was like, part three is gonna be intense. It's gonna be yeah. in the West. Yeah. You know. So so Marty. So uh, future Marty rushes back to the town square because. Mm-hmm. 
his past self had already gone back to 1985. Right. Uh, which is, and I love that they do kind of play on the title. So he grabs Doc and, you know, the Doc's like, Doc's like, I, I just sent you back to the future. And he's like, yeah, I know, I, but I'm back. I'm back from the future. <laughs> like, ah! ah yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I said, since, uh, you know, they were filming for 11 months, part yep. two and part three, you know, they hated leaving audiences on a on a kind of a cliffhanger ending. Right. But they were able to show some of, you know, they were able to it splice. Was a, it was already done. They said it was in the can already. And really? so, yeah. So they oh. were like, let's just show, the, let's show them some footage from it. How they worded it on the special features I watched, and it didn't give a date when they're talking. Mm. Um, but they said they just spliced together a trailer and stuck it at the end. Well, I think it was from all the footage that was done. Done. Yeah. They had, Makes uh, sense. Because once it was, once Back to the Future 2 was released, they had finished because they had wrapped mm-hmm. uh, filming on everything. Makes sense. Yeah. So they were like, you know, we need to let people know that they need to wait, but it's not going to be that long. It's only six months. Yeah. So, so yeah, so Back to the Future Part 3 was released in 1990. 1990. Um, neither of us were born yet. Um, we're so young. I know. And and this is and this is something I was kind of talking about earlier today is, and I was kind of mentioning it in Part 1 of, the, of this episode, and the Bob's taking risks. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's what this series was, this trilogy was. It was all about risks, and so they wanted to try different genres, you know, because they had done sci-fi, yeah. They had done, you know, action adventure. They had done comedy. Well, comedy is pretty much the throughout. main genre. Yeah, throughout. it's throughout um, yeah, for sure. But so when they get to three, they're you know both of them loved westerns and they grew up with westerns, um, and so they said, okay, what if we made this one? A full blown out western. Yeah, um, and I'm talking. You know, they built the entire town, mm. interior and exterior. So it wasn't sets. I mean, well, it was a set, but it wasn't like a sound stage. Right. Set. Yeah. Um, did they shoot Monument Valley? Did you yes. Know? Okay. Yes, they did. Cool. And 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 they That's some John built, Ford stuff there. And they built a drive-in. Oh yeah. At Monument Valley, uh, which if people don't know, Monument Valley is. Um, it's it's in um, it's in I California, mean, isn't it? Somewhere it's somewhere in the United States, but a That's lot of really westerns are have been shot there. Most most John Ford ones. So you yeah. know the Searchers, the Cowboys. Um, you know, there's so many to even you know uh, Rio Bravo. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is a whole lot. Yeah. So big Jake. That's so, so where we get to this one, and me and I, I know me and Jeremy both didn't take a lot of notes with this one because it's <sighs> nope. And I'll tell the listeners the only note I wrote was ZZ Top. Let's see which yeah, we'll get to I that. Like, I like ZZ Top a lot. Um, the whole thing with this one is so Marty's stuck in 1955 from part two. Yeah. He finds 1955 Doc and shows him the letter of 1985 Doc being stuck in 1885. Right. Um, and 1955 Doc is, has decided that he's going to help Marty get back to 1985 um, because Doc has 19... There's going to be a lot of... Yeah. <laughs> 1885 Doc has buried the DeLorean yeah. and... Pretty much is giving them the 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 path to get Marty home, right? Because he does not want Marty to come back for him. No, because and he doesn't say it until Marty gets there. But Doc's pretty much done with time travel. Yeah, he feels like they've messed up. You know, even though they're fixing it, 
he feels like it's it's become too dangerous. Right. Yeah. Um, but as they learn, Doc dies in 1985. Um, was it like five days after he sent the letter? 1885. And um, oh yeah, yeah, I said 1985. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, it's it, like, was, it was Mad Dog. Yeah, you Mad Dog Tannen, Biff's uh, great great uh, like grandfather, which gets set up in part two with the little TV yeah. documentary but, yeah, was, in front of the casino. Yes, yeah, we, we kind of skipped over that, but um, so Marty decides he's not going to let Doc die there alone, so no. he's going to go back and save him in the dumbest outfit I've yes. ever seen, and it takes me, it takes me, it just drives me so crazy. So. Some, if I if I do watch it, I usually skip that part. I skip to where he gets his regular West World, you know, Wild West clothes. Yeah, with the and poncho and the hat. Yeah, it's so distracting. Yeah. I can't stand it because it, it was a, it was kind of a joke. It on is how, a joke on how the fifties were doing westerns. Right. Yeah. So, so if anyone hadn't seen part three, we don't blame you. Um, <laughs> so, so nineteen fifty five, Doc is getting ready to send Marty back to eighteen eighty five, and to help Marty, I guess, get with the custom, they send him back in cowboy clothes. Yeah, but it's not just you know, it's not like dirty jeans, some boots, and you know, a shirt and a hat. No, he sends him back in fluorescent, bright red bright baby blue shirt pants yeah it's and god it's so distracting it's it's like you know some some glenn oh no what is his name oh no rhinestone cowboy that's what i was trying to think <laughs> glenn campbell there we go it's oh, like okay. glenn campbell rhinestone cowboy bullshit and i can't stand it rain i don't like it you can't make me i'm, I'm not i wasn't gonna make you because okay, i don't okay. like it okay. um but what I do love is, uh, you know, Marty's worried he's going to, you know, run into the Indians at the drive-in. And oh, he does. And anyway. he does, yeah. There were yeah. actual uh, Native Americans there. Um, um, yeah. And so, and then, you know, I guess since, again, they couldn't have Crispin come back, they had Michael J. Fox play Seamus McFly. Seamus McFly. And that, I'll be honest, Leah Thompson did a better Irish accent. You think? I, I love Michael J. Fox. He's a, a fantastic man and a great actor. Would you say his accent was a little shaky? Nailed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. If uh, my parents listen to this, they're going to be so mad at me that I made uh, that joke. Anyway. But, but I love, I love when they're, when they're eating the rabbits. Yeah. And Marty's spitting out the pellets. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and more, and, and I'll say that that they kind of paid off the more like the time travel has this kind of cosmic, you know, connection to everyone. Yeah. Because he's holding his great grandfather, who's a baby, mm-hmm. the first McFly to ever be born in America, uh, William McFly. And Seamus says how you know you know little William never takes to strangers, but look, you know, and 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 I like that. I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. That it's almost like time is. You know, and they never mentioned that uh, Seamus and uh, Marty look exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, well, oh, the, sort of. You know, so 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 he goes into town with one of Seamus's hats, mm-hmm. and he goes to the saloon with the uh, <laughs> the smoking um, liquor. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Mad Dog confuses him for Seamus. Oh, that's right. And he's like, "Yeah, you even look like him too." <laughs> um, and. <laughs> 
I never looked this up the first time I saw part three, but I had to look it up for this. You keep he calls him dude several times, and I'm like that can't, that can't be right. Yeah, and actually it was. It is right. Yeah, um, dude was it was it was meant to be. Uh, it's. It was meant to be derogatory, wasn't it? It's like, yeah, it's like, a, it's, a, it's a rancher. You know, that's why they call them dude ranches. Uh, yeah, and it wasn't until like the, the 60s and stuff that it became... Dude. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's funny is another gag, and I remember this one, is uh, Thomas Wilson indirectly channels... Uh, John Wayne in that scene because the original scene he accidentally says Pilgrim yeah, and the line was dude and he was like what's your name Pilgrim and he's like what what am I John Wayne (laughs) Um, but you know so they try to they try to kill Marty all because he calls him Mad Dog which apparently he hates yeah who who would have thought yeah Yeah. who would have yeah Um, exactly (laughs) and so they try to kill Marty by hanging him and the doc saves him, and Doc's like, you know, I told you not to come back for me because he, because he goes back the day after he s- sent the letter. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's only been a day for the doc since he sent the letter. Right. Uh, and he shows Doc the picture they took of his gravestone, and Doc's like, yeah, I gotta, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, but you know, then uh, Marty, and I can't believe you would think. A night guy from 1985 would understand how cars work. He his whole nonchalantly like, oh yeah, I ripped the fuel lines. So, <laughs> like, uh, you need fuel to go. Yeah, uh, and even, <laughs> uh, but, um, but something. I mean, I'm a, I'm a 2019 guy. I don't know how cars work. Yeah, so. I mean, neither do I. But, <laughs> but I mean, I know that the car needs fuel to go. That's true. Um, but something about the movie that. I didn't. I mean, I noticed it when I rewatched it. I never noticed it until this actual time watching it. Is uh, Doc and Marty switch places? So in part one and part two, Marty's kind of the irresponsible, you know, guy. You yeah. know, sh- showing people how to skateboard in 1955. Yeah. You know, and even and even in part three, he says far out. <laughs> like what? Because uh, the he, the pie says like frisbee pies or something. Oh, like far oh, out frisbee, far out. <laughs> uh, and uh, and Seamus is like it was right in front of him. <laughs> so dumb. Um, but uh, but you know Doc and Marty switch places. Right now he's Doc has become sort of the the loose cannon and he wants to stay and he doesn't want to leave. Yeah, because because uh, he falls in love. Uh, with, with Ted Danson's wife, Mary Seenburgen. That's right. Uh, who apparently she was their only choice, and they didn't know what they were going to do if uh, she said no. Well, thank God. <laughs> well, apparently she said yes because her um, her uh, kids were big fans oh, of yeah. Back to the Future, so she really wanted to do it. Um, and so we. So part three, just, man, it's, it's not a bad movie. No. But it, it to me, it's not Back to the Future, you know? Yeah. And I think that's because um, it, it does go into a, n- a whole new genre that we haven't seen in Back to the Future of, of, of Western. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Westerns. Yeah. Uh, but... 
I don't when I think Back to the Future, I don't think Western. You know, maybe yeah. it's they they wanted that juxtaposition between old west and sci-fi. Oh yeah, right. You think? Yeah, that. Um, yeah, that. Uh, especially the part where where Doc is um, uh, going on and on about. Oh, I can tell you about the future. Yeah, and all of them don't believe him. Right. Which I will say this. Um, I love a lot of the cameos. Well, not I wouldn't say cameos, but a lot of the kind of Western actors that they got to be in the movie, like uh, yep. Burton Gilliam, yep. who, uh, you know, when I mentioned um, Blazing Saddles in uh, our Quentin Tarantino, he plays Lyle. Yeah. Uh, and so I love that they got him in it. And he is just as over the top because he's the uh, um, cult Salesman, yeah, you're he was right. like, you know, even a baby can do this. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, and there was another one, I can't think of his name, but he uh, he's in a lot of voiceovers, uh, he, he uh, for like Disney and stuff. Okay, he's one of the guys in the saloon, mm-hmm. like when, when they uh, <laughs> when they see Marty for the first time and he's like you must have gotten that off of a dead Chinese <laughs> I can't think of his name I can't either but um, but then of course you know ZZ Top ZZ which Top, you mentioned the only note I have and in the first one we got Huey Lewis oh, who wrote two songs yep. well no he wrote one he wrote both he wrote both? He wrote both. For they the did, movie? They didn't ask him to do the second one, but he did it anyway. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, because it, uh, it was the first one, Power of Love. Power of Love, yeah. He specifically it, wrote for the movie. Right, and then he wrote Back in Time for fun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but we had Hugh Lewis in the movie. Yep. Um, and part two didn't have that. It didn't have specific songs written for it. No. It didn't have uh, the musician cameo. Then they got ZZ Top yeah. to be not only in it, but to write a song as well. Yeah. And uh, and they they sort of look like themselves. They, yeah. But they do their whole yeah, they flip. flip the, they yeah. flip everything. So you're like, oh, it's easy time. It's easy time. Um, but for me, when I was younger, I liked the third one just because um, it was so different. Now that I'm older, I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, it was different, but... As I just said, like, I didn't think Back to the Future. You know, can I tell you, my mom really loves the third one. She likes it so much more than the second one. And I'll tell you why. And it's something you brought up that it's so dark and it's so bleak. She doesn't like the third one at all. You mean the, the second, the second one? one? Yeah, she yeah. doesn't like the second one at all. Yeah. Um, because it's so dark and so bleak. And she really liked the third one because it was, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it was kind of a roller coaster. You know, one was up here, very hopeful, very yeah. bright. Two was very dark and yeah. like what are we going to do? And then three was back up, you know, right. it was, I mean, and I'll say it was a fun movie to watch, yeah. but you know, um, but not that memorable in my opinion. The only, the only one of the real lines I really remember it's after Mar- Marty gets to 1885. He outruns the native Americans. Yeah. He, he gets into the cave and he, he's feeling this like rumbling and he kind of walks up the cave and here comes the U S cavalry. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, the cavalry! Yeah, <laughs> and just like that has always stuck with me. Yeah, um, but and and 
and kind of talking about like, well, kind of continuing what we've been talking about, like how, how they pay everything off mm-hmm. is, you know, Marty has to learn that when someone calls you a chicken, it's just words. Yeah. You know, you know, he, you know, Seamus tells him a story of his brother, Martin McFly, Martin McFly, uh, which you know, is Marty, Marty, um, how someone called him yellow and he got in a fight and got killed. Yeah. Doc kind of foreshadows something, uh, you know, when Marty's like, you know, you heard what that son of a bitch called me. And he was like, you know, Marty, if you go around doing like this every time someone calls you a name and this is what causes you to get in that wreck in the future. And Marty's like, what, what about my future? Yeah. Doc's like, I, I've already said too much. Yeah. Like, and so Marty has to learn, like, like swallow your pride it's just words. Yeah. You know you're not a chicken. Right. So just get over it. Which, um, you know, he does when Needles. Needles. Comes back. Yep. Uh, and challenges him to a uh, drag race. Yeah. And and how they kind of allude to it in part two is he hits a Rolls Royce, mm-hmm. uh, breaks his arm. Mm-hmm. Marty breaks his arm. Yeah. And the owner of the Rolls Royce sues him. And so Marty never plays music again. Right. Um, and so what he decides to do in part three is he goes in reverse. Yeah. And doesn't hit the car. And uh, Jennifer, Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue. Uh, unbeknownst to Marty, has a fax that Marty got from mm-hmm. fu- the future. Oh, that's right. That you're fired. That you're fired. Facts, yeah. Because um, he got fired for – because he let needles – yeah, yeah, yeah. Bully him into whatever illegal thing it was. Yeah. They didn't go into, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, it erases because Marty says, "You know, you think I'm stupid enough to race that jackass?" Yeah, and because Marty finally realizes it's okay, just you know, pretty much suck it up. Yeah, um, and I'll say that that in that aspect that you know, Doc and Marty's character arcs had to grow that way. Yeah. So in that sense. That's where three, you know, kind of brings it all together. But three is still just... Did you, you didn't like the time-traveling train? Oh, dear God. I mean, <laughs> I'll be honest. I got to see it when me and Ashley went to Universal Studios. That's cool. It was awesome. Yeah. I was like, great. Oh, this is it. And, and uh, one of the DeLoreans that they used in the movie... Cool. ...is also on display right next to it. Oh, that's neat. It's not the restored one that they did. Uh, you know, they they went through a, a year restore of the original one. Yeah. The, the what they call the hero car, mm-hmm. and that one's on display in uh, L.A. Oh, okay. But another one that survived uh, is on display right next to the train. Oh, that's cool. But uh, no, so I love seeing the train in real life, but seeing it in the movie, like, <laughs> so yeah, which means at some point, train. at some point, Doc. Figured out how to make it work on Steam, went to the future, gave it a hover conversion. <laughs> yeah. Which we didn't see any train tracks in 2015. Yeah. So how the hell did it get there? Right. And then decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to 1985 and make sure Marty's okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and of course, by this time, you know, him and uh, Clara, Mary Steenburgen, yep. have had two children. Right. Jules and Vern. Jules Vern. Oh, my God. Come on. Come uh, on. This is pretty good. Uh, but, um, but I mean, three, I mean, 
Robin Zemeska said it perfectly that three, they were going to end it after three. Mm -hmm. No more. No more. Because he felt like everything is great in things, you know, a third act of a play. Right. And three is a very dramatic number. Four is not a dramatic number to end on. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad they ended it at three because three, I think, really showed not necessarily the easiest way I can put it is almost like the fatigue of everyone. Like, Mm -hmm. like, okay, two was great. Two was really dark, but now we're just kind of almost like just going through the motions. Yeah. Like we're just going to make the movie and okay. But that's my opinion. I mean, I, now that we've gotten through two and three, I have a question. Yes. For you and for our listeners. (laughs) It is something Bob Gale mentioned and something I'd already had written down. On my notes, uh, it's something Bob Gale mentioned in the commentary where, so, Einstein, mm-hmm. the dog. Yes. Uh, when we test, we see the test of the DeLorean the first time. Yes. It, he goes into the future one minute. Yes. Okay. And as it, Doc explains, he skips over that minute to arrive at this one. That's right. But to Marty and Doc, it took him a minute to get there. Right. Okay. So with that being said, when they go into the future 30 years, have they been missing for 30 years? And if so, how are they there? So by that, I mean, yeah, it would have taken them 30 years to get there by everyone else's standards. Right. Everyone else would be living 30 years. Right. You know, it's kind of relativity, I guess. Um, well, no, and it and it makes yes, yeah, that's yeah. Because I didn't think about that because if Doc were to take Marty and Jennifer from 1985, mm-hmm. take them all the way to 2015, yeah, um, and they're old, old, and they have kids, right? If he plucked them from that time period, right. Where they hadn't gotten married. Right. How would they have been married in 2015? And so Bob Gale mentioned that and he said, well, it's just, you know, it just proves that they do get back to 1985 and they get married or whatever. But I'm like, I don't know, man. Because. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. All right. Because, you know, at that moment in time, they don't exist in 2015 because they. Because they hadn't gotten married. They hadn't. Because they were in the time machine. They're yes. with Doc. Yeah, and, and as we've learned, especially in part two, whatever happens in the time machine is unaffected by everything else. Right. That's why Doc is able to find old man Biff's top of his cane because yeah. it broke off in the time machine. Right. See, I never thought of it. Oh, I know. Oh, man. My brain is like... It makes me I know. think... It's one of these time travel paradoxes. Well, uh, as... You know, and I mentioned Doctor Who, but... Uh, to quote Gross. David Tennant, it's wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Yeah, like it's it makes no sense, should make no sense. Yeah, but it happens anyway. No, um, and so I thought it'd be fun to end on some time travel in film discussion. Yeah, uh, I have some things written down. Okay, um, Primer. Have you seen Primer? I have not. Um, it's probably the most complicated, the most scientific. Of the time travel movies. Okay. Um, it's amazing. So, highly recommend. It's Shane Carruth. Uh, he did Upstream Color later. It was his follow-up. Uh, and I think he's working on one now. At least I hope. Uh, Primer. There's, okay. an, there's an excellent episode on Primer 
on Into the Void podcast with um, with Renan and, and Bill. Okay. Uh, so highly recommend checking that out. Uh, their whole podcast is fantastic. Check it out. I'm a huge fan. I'm part of the Facebook group, Into the Void. It's great. Um, I have Bill and Ted. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I've seen Bill and Ted. Yeah. I've seen both. And as I mentioned in part one, uh, ready for the third one. Yeah. Very excited for the third one. Um, we'll see. So, so Bill and Ted is – they play on the idea that they've already done it. You know, like so, – so if you haven't seen at least the first Bill and Ted, we're going to give you – I'm just going to give a brief synopsis. Two slackers. They want to be famous. Both of them are idiots. Are granted a time machine by um, – George Carlin. George – oh, my God. I almost forgot his name. Thank you. Yeah, George Carlin. George Carlin. <laughs> And to pretty much pass their history exam, because at some point in their future, they write a song that brings world peace, <laughs> which is that that's what the third one's going to be about, which I'm. Oh, boy. Uh, anyway, so at one point in the film, all of their historical figures that they've been plucking from time, mm-hmm. Billy the Kid, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Napoleon. Napoleon, Sigmund Freud, which <laughs> cracks my shit up every time. Um are uh, all their uh, histor- uh, the historical figures get arrested and um, Ted, Keona Reeves, his dad's a cop mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out a way to uh, get them out. Well, they see a message. They're like, okay, so what, they're like, okay, so what we need to do is once we get them out, we need to come back to this time and leave ourselves a note and they look down and there it is. And, Watching that when I was younger, watching that, I was like, okay. Now that I'm older, I'm like, but then that would have meant that <laughs> yep. that doesn't mean anything. Because, because I mean, yeah, I know that means that at some point they got them out and they yep. succeeded in mm-hmm. getting them out, passed their history exam, took them time machine, went back to that time and set all that up. Yep. But in that moment, they had no idea how to get them out. So how, and I guess that's kind of the bootstrap paradox that we mentioned in part one. Kind of. It's sort of, it takes, a lot of these um, time travel movies take bits and pieces, right? Uh I think it's impossible to take all of it into consideration because then it wouldn't work, right? And, you know, if... I mean, it's it's really complicated. Time travel is complicated, and there actually is science of time travel, and people study time travel and theories and things like that. Well, and and the second Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted's bogus adventure or bogus journey, um, takes that to like a whole nother level in the final scene where they're, you know, they drop a cage on the bad guy and he's like, well, I too know how to do, you know, this. so once I get out, you know, I'll have myself a key and then I'll get myself a gun. And, you know, this is all just appearing. And then come to find out they're like, oh yeah, well we set up the gun. Like, <laughs> so you mean to tell me <laughs> that they knew he was going to do that. Yeah. He was going to get a gun which means at some point, one of their alternate versions figured that out. It, yeah. Like, I know. It hurts your head. Uh, and it's, and it, that it's played for laughs, right? But I mean, yeah. this, is, this is some real stuff right here. I also have on here the Futurama episode 
where they have like that H.G. Wells time machine oh, no. that just is fixated in that one spot and it doesn't move, right? I don't think I've seen that. It's been a oh, long time since I've watched Futurama. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a great episode. Um, let me see. I have Interstellar. I've seen Interstellar. Which is hard science, kind of like yes. Primer is. Oh, my God. I. <sighs> yeah, Primer is hard science, and so is Interstellar. Big when, it, when it got to that part, and I think everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say that part, the part where... Matthew McConaughey is like in the fourth dimension. Oh yeah, I was like, "What the, f- what the hell?" Yeah, which I mean, and Chris Nolan did a good job of, you know, everything that we'd been seeing up to that point, explaining that like it was all Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, you know, but like, like, like the whole like oh. The, the 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 robot I can't think of the robot's name, you know the beings are closing the test or like I was yeah. like what is what <laughs> and then he I gets know. out and yeah. is fine and then has to watch his daughter die which what an incredible movie that is it's and such a great movie is it, it is a long movie to watch and that one's just relativity right that's yeah. how that time travel works um, is this planet is close to this meaning time is slower than here and blah blah, blah. so. We're not going back in time. We're just going forward in time quickly, right? Right. Um, the last two I have are Twelve Monkeys, which is uh, I've always wanted Terry, to see Terry Gilliam. It's fantastic. Well, Terry Gilliam is is, is he's he's in a movie you probably don't think of as a time travel movie is Donnie Darko. Okay. Yeah. See that. Yeah. I've never considered Donnie Darko or a uh, time travel movie, but it is. Yeah. He uh, does go back in time and uh, fix the problems he has created um, in one timeline, and he fixes it in another. So, okay, that's technically time travel. Yeah, I um, I'm trying to think of like maybe some other ones I've seen. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at kind of what I did with the the noir episode. I'm looking at a list, and one of them. Maybe you've seen. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, Flight of the Navigator. I've never seen Flight of the Navigator. Okay, I don't know so it. I don't consider that a time travel movie. Okay, but obviously it is. It's on a list as a time travel movie. Well, yeah, it's it's more so. <laughs> like what happens is like a little boy is he's not necessarily abducted, but he's abducted. <laughs> but then he. Awakens like 15 years later. Uh-huh. He's fine. He mm-hmm. hasn't aged, but everything around him has changed. I see. And he has to find the alien ship that abducted him mm-hmm. and pretty much go back through and get back to his times. So I I don't consider it a time. Would you consider movie. the last the last 30 minutes of AI time travel? Have you seen AI? Oh, yeah, where he gets he's frozen and the he's world... He's frozen for 2,000 years, yeah. Yeah, that was intense. Um, a lot of people don't like that movie. I love that movie. And it's really just for that last 30 minutes. It's so good. And it's it's really emotional. It's really sad. And it's really touchy-feely. And I really like it. Um, some of these I'm seeing on this list, I don't consider time travel. Like Doctor Strange was on this list, I don't consider that a time travel movie. I, I mean, just because he messes with time. Yeah, he, he's, he manipulates time. I don't know if it's time travel, but anyway, um, that's fine. 
That was a really nerdy response to that. I know. Uh, Arrival's on here. I, uh... Yeah. I haven't seen That's Arrival. That's a really good one. But I've read about it and I've watched videos about it. Yeah, that seems like a very intense... Without seeing it first? Are you out of your mind? I know. Watch it first, you I maniac. I know. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. And you're right, it is a, it is a type of time travel. Um... Oh, here you know you mentioned Terry Gilliam, um, Time Bandits. Time Bandits. I've never seen it, which is why it's on my list. Neither have I. Uh, I've wanted to watch it because it has a great cast in it. But um, yeah, there. Yeah, Primer is up there. Oh, Back to the Future is number one. Oh, well, Although, there you go. Um, but okay, they have this one listed. It's it's two movies, and I think I uh, I think uh, I really want your opinion on this. Because this, and this is a kind of another franchise, and I know I'm, I'm about to really 80s it up here. Uh, Terminator and Terminator 2. Oh, Terminator. Like. Yeah, no shit. Why wasn't that on my list? Terminator, um, of course. I love the second one. I can take and leave the first one. Yeah, the, well, the first one was experimental. And then the second one, they knew, okay, this is how we got to do it. Yeah. Um, third one was garbage. And that one really messes with some some time stuff in where he needs to stop John Connor from blah, 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 whatever. And yeah. It's really complicated and really makes no sense. It doesn't make no sense. It makes perfect sense, but the, it's just really complicated. Well, that whole franchise is just so – and they don't even know their own continuity at this point. No, I just consider the first two. Yeah. The only other one I – it was Terminator Salvation. Oh, I didn't say that. Salvation was good. Uh, Sam Worthington was in it, okay. and uh, Christian Bale. That's the, that was the infamous. Oh, right. That was the infamous. Uh, oh, you don't see when we're doing the scene. Like, oh, that's right. Of his it, that's his, his meltdown. Guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like you know, it's kind of thinking as we've been talking about all these other time travel movies. Is it's, it almost seems like Hollywood is really obsessed with that, like going back and fixing things. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, uh, Time After Time with um, Michael McDonald mm-hmm. playing H.G. Wells, you know, following Jack the Ripper, <laughs> which if anyone hasn't seen Time After Time, it's a completely ridiculous yeah. time travel movie from the 70s yeah. of H.G. Wells. Uh, if, it, if you don't know who H.G. Wells is, I'm Well, I've mentioned him several times yes. in this podcast, though. Um, in, the, in the story, he actually invents a real-life time machine, and Jack the Ripper steals it and goes to modern-day New York. Yeah. Which, if the if it's stationary, how the, how the hell do they go from London to New York. I completely understand because that the time machine in H.G. Wells, the time machine is stationary. It moves through, and we've talked about that, it moves through uh, time, not space. So, yeah. I don't know. But, you know, I mean, but time after time got remade to a TV show. Yeah. Which I heard is now uh, not no on the a television air. show? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, there's, you know, on the CW, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. They, I mean, the first season more so plays with time as they're trying to stop one dude. But, um, yeah, I mean, time travel movies, I feel like if they're really well done. Mm -hmm. Like this one. Like Back Back to the Future. future. Uh, I mean, I know we've been kind of 
if everyone's listening, we've been ragging on part three. But, I mean, without part three, the whole trilogy doesn't work as right. a whole. You know? And then, I mean... But, yeah, Back to the Future is so well done that it works. And even Carl Sagan, the, the man who wrote Contact, uh, when Robert Zemeckis was working on Contact, um, Carl Sagan said, listen, man, that movie you made, that's the best time travel movie I've ever seen. He goes... Oh, Back to the Future? He goes, no, Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> really? Yeah. He goes, man, you got the duplication thing really right. That's fantastic. You yeah. It, yeah, because... That's exactly what would happen. And he was like, wow, thanks. Yeah, I feel like 2, yeah. Yeah. Part, part 2... I honestly think part... Like, the first Back to the Future, it, like I said in part in the, the first part of the these episodes, is, you know, Part 1 is a virtually perfect movie. Yeah. It... Script, acting, script, cast, direction, perfect movie, yeah. flawless movie. Part two, I feel like, was the the peak because mm-hmm. part two was very dark. It it revisited part one. Yeah, we saw part one from a new angle. Yeah, new vantage point. That was really neat. Yeah, yeah and it was the first time that it had been done to that level. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, in the eighties they dabbled with having the same actor in the same shot. Yeah, but not on that level. Right. You know, of having, you know, Michael J. Fox is in the scene three times, older Marty, Marty Jr. and Marlene, and has to, you know, play off like himself. Yeah. While someone's sitting there for him to like, okay, I'm looking at myself, you know. Yeah, they said they took a couple of days to shoot and they had to take away a shot because they had done a big wide master shot. Uh-huh. But it wouldn't make sense because you would only do that if you were trying to show off that these three people are in the same shot. So they had to pretend they were different actors. How would you shoot the scene if they were different actors? Right. To make it seem more natural, more fluid. Right. And more like an actual movie in, instead of showing off. Right. Well, and something that I wrote down in my notes is they, uh, they had to glue everything down. Yeah. Nothing could be moved right, because yeah. it had to be in the same spot. Exactly. Yeah. So like the scene where the part where he's pouring, you know, older Marty's pouring Marty Jr. a drink. Yeah. You know, he couldn't have, you know, the cup, no one's saying, but the cup couldn't be right here. Right. And then in the next scene, it over here. Exactly. It had to stay in the same spot. Um, I mean, nowadays it's easy to do that like that. You yeah. know, just have have a dude in a blue blue suit sit right there. You talk to him. And we'll flip-flop it, bam, we're done. Yeah. Um, And so I think for the 80s, especially 1989, Yeah. It was so seamless, yeah. I know. And so, so yeah, so I think two was the peak of it. And then three kind of plateaued it out. And again, that's just for us. I mean, for my mom, it's the opposite, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to people who love three. Yeah. You know, and as I, I mentioned before we started recording... Critics love three. Yeah, God, that's so um, strange to me. Yeah. Uh, which proves, uh, I mentioned this to Jeremy before, it proves that sometimes critics don't know what they're talking about. Or we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we don't know <laughs> what we're talking about. We're just two guys who, you know, think we know. Yeah. But, but still, you know, I mean, but I think for everyone out there, if you haven't seen Back to the Future, at least watch. First off, sorry we ruined all of it for you. Yeah, I mean, but the movie is now officially uh, 34 years old. Yep. Um, but, you know, um, you have to at least watch one and two. Three, if you're feeling up to it. I mean, you don't have, I mean, 
you it's almost, dude, there, you there is have payoff to. to be had in yeah. the third one. Yeah, you kind of have to watch three. It's not one of those like, okay, I watch one and two, I'm done. Yeah. Now you kind of you kind of have to finish it out. Yeah, but yeah. one and two have so so much rewatchability. Yeah. I feel I like three, I'll rewatch every like I don't know couple of months, but one and two I can rewatch. Like I mean, I just watched them the other night. I'll rewatch them again. Yeah. Before you know the month is over, so for everyone out there, I think you need to take the time, rent it, buy it. You should you should own it. Yeah, absolutely. No one should rent these movies. You should own these movies. Yeah. Watch agree. watch Michael J. Fox crush it uh, as probably one of the best. Uh, characters of the 80s in my opinion yeah for sure other than uh, Ferris Bueller Ferris, I mean, they're yeah. the coolest guys on the planet right there Those imagine imagine if they did a movie together oh in the 80s Ferris oh. Bueller and Marty McFly that's too, that's too much cool man too, too much cool that's too much cool couldn't handle it uh, Marty McFly pulls up to Ferris Bueller's like giant house in the DeLorean like hop in yeah. you want a day off <laughs> come on <laughs> Well, I hope everyone enjoyed our two-part breakdown of, as Jeremy said it, well, actually Carl Sagan said it, one of the best time travel movies ever. for sure. Like I said, everyone should watch these movies at least once. um, And tell us what you think in the comments. Uh, I'm going to try to post these on the Facebook page, uh, Space Cadet Films. And see, let me know what you think. And uh, go check out, um, go check out um, Enter the Void on uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you can. Tell them Jeremy sent you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week.